Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for church again in this season of coronavirus. I got to be honest, Sunday mornings are always my favorite day because I feel like it is one of the few things that feels normal. But here are two things that I've been learning through this season of doing online church like we have the last five or six weeks. One, I am more confident than ever before that the church is not just a service. The church is not just preaching. The church is not just teaching. The church is not just worship. Certainly, the church is not taking in something from your living room. It can be that, but the church is people gathered together, loving each other, being with each other, living on mission, and I cannot wait till we can get back to that. I miss it every Sunday. I would do anything and everything in my power if I could to make it happen today, but we're not there yet. So the second thing that I've got going on is I am massively, massively grateful for technology in this season. Because 25 years ago, had we lived through this, it would have been impossible to gather on Sunday like we are gathering. So I want you to know that I I miss my church. I miss my people. I miss you. I miss being with you gathered together. But I am so grateful for the opportunity on Sunday to be together, even though we're in hundreds of homes, thousands of homes maybe. Um, I'm so glad because of the power of technology because of our production teams, because of the talented people at our church behind the cameras right now who have put this together. I'm glad that you can throw it up on your television screen and we can have church together. We are blessed, even in this mess, we are blessed to be able to gather together. Hey, I want to give you some some quarantine homework, maybe a quarantine activity. Last week, my family and I had the opportunity to watch The Chosen. This is a new series, an eight-week mini-series has come out on the life of Jesus that is just phenomenal. You can find it in YouTube. Our service hosts are going to drop some links in where you can find it. This week as a family, take time every evening and watch one or two of these episodes. It is the first ever multi-season story of the life of Jesus through the book of John. The first eight episodes take you through John chapter 4, and I think they will move your heart in a positive direction. If you've been looking for something to watch, something to do, I want to turn your eyes to this. It was great for my family and I, uh, and we want to share that with you. So this week, if you get a chance, Take some time and watch some of those chosen episodes. I think um, it will help you even better understand who Jesus is, how he loves. Might give you a picture of his face and his smile that maybe you have never seen before. Hey, Easter last week was incredible. Uh, For those of you who worked hard with us to tune in, to have watch parties, to invite friends, thank you, Journey. I am blown away by your efforts to live on mission, even in this season of being at home. We had last Sunday, we continue now to see the the numbers tick up, but we've had nearly 4,500 devices, so 4,500 households who were watching Easter Sunday with us. We think that's between 8,000 and 10,000 people who celebrated Easter with Journey, which is nearly three times as many as we would have had if we would have met together um, on a Sunday morning or a Saturday, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We had dozens and dozens of people reach out who had made spiritual decisions to let us know that they said yes to Jesus. Almost half of the people who made spiritual decisions do not live in Kansas City, but were invited by somebody in Kansas City to watch Easter services with them. And in addition to that, we've had dozens of our leaders and people in our small groups tell us that one of their friends, family members, coworkers, neighbors that they invited to a watch party with them made a spiritual decision. So we are trusting that the gospel seeds 
were thrown and many were sown, captured in hearts. And there will be people in heaven one day that we don't meet until we're there who will come up and introduce themselves and say, hey, um, someone who went to your church invited me to watch on Easter. And that was the day that I said yes to Jesus. It was super, super impactful. But that was because of how you went on mission and invited people into the process. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. The most impactful part of the service for me, I got to be honest with you, as worship was wrapping down, And I thought it was over, and then our worship team kicked into the old hymn, Because He Lives. Every time I watched it, all three services on Sunday, man, my my heart just broke. Like, I just started bawling. I think the emotion of the season that we're living in, the pressure of the season that we're living in, and then just the the reality of that song, maybe because it was an old song that's deep in my soul from the days of the youth, or maybe it was the words. Danielle and I talked. It was like, man, why, why did this moment break my spirit in such a powerful way every time. And I, I think when, I, when it gets down to it, it's because of the promise of the song that is true. I think because I was reminded Jesus is still alive, I can face tomorrow. Because Jesus is alive, we're going to get through this. Because Jesus is alive, fear can go away. All fear can be gone. Because Jesus is alive and because we know he holds the future, Because Jesus lives, life is worth living. And I think that message of that song at that time in the service, my soul needed. My soul needed deeply. And every time that message was squeezed into my heart, my body just overflowed with tears. So grateful for the fact that Jesus is alive. And because he lives, I can go one more day. And because he lives, I can chase fear away. And because he lives, we believe he holds the future. And because he lives, life is is still worth living. And because life is still worth living, we're still moving forward. We're in Exodus chapter 32 today. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 32 as we get ready to meet a man whose name is Moses and learn his story a little bit as you're finding your way to Exodus chapter 32. Try to find the notes either in the link that's been posted by our host today or maybe off of our website or maybe on your Journey Church app as you're moving towards Exodus chapter 32. Let me thank those of you who are continuing to give in this season. We need a church full of people who are generous so we can be an organization that's generous. Three ways to give in this season online at takethejourney.cc backslash give. You can go every time you get paid. Just a couple clicks you can give that way you can text to give if that's easier for you just text that number they'll send you back a prompt where you can give you can give through our mobile app or you can go to our website takethejourney.cc backslash give find the address and send a check in our ushers once a week check the mail just like they would pass the offering um, and deposit it we're asking three groups of people to think about giving in this season if you go to our church and you normally give and you're still being paid we're going to ask you to keep giving like you have been and just trust god If you go to our church, but you don't normally give, but you're still being paid in the season, we're going to ask you to start giving. Have a little faith and start giving. We need your help in this season. And if you go to our church and you normally give, but you're not being paid, we don't want you to give in this season. We want you to let us know what you need from us. Please reach out. Journey Connect, 474747. Let us know how we can serve you. It's our time as a church to give back to you now. We believe if those three things happen, that we will make it through this season, out of this season, and beyond this season, we will be okay. Genesis chapter 32, or Exodus 32 is where we're going to hang out today. Before we jump into scripture, we always like to ask God's spirit to kind of jump into our hearts. So would you bow your heads right where you are? Would you take a deep breath if you haven't done that yet this week? And right where you are, would you just whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven? Would you ask God to speak to you today through his word? 
is really the goal. Ask God to speak to you today through his word. Just say this prayer. Speak to me, Lord. God, that's our prayer that you would speak to us today. Show us through the life of Moses the spiritual dangers that await us in this time of staying home spiritually. Show us what to focus on so we don't get knocked down spiritually. God, we pray you'd be with all of those who are working on and are currently impacted deeply by the season of coronavirus. Let them feel your peace. Let them feel your power. Let them sense your comfort in this season. That's our prayer. God, we pray you'd answer those prayers, and we pray it all in Jesus' name today. And everyone said amen and amen. So we've been in a season at our church that we're calling The Waiting Room. That's the series that we're in. What do you do? When you don't know what to do, maybe better stated, hey, what, what do you do spiritually when there's no place to go when you're just stuck? And we've been learning how God can use a season of waiting. Even though we didn't choose it, God can use it. We learned from Paul that we've not been confined to our homes. We've been called there. Uh, we learned a few weeks ago from Noah that we can worship anyway, regardless of how things turn out. We saw Jesus step out of the tomb last Sunday, and today we're going to meet a man named Moses. And here are my goals as we walk through Moses' time of waiting together. Number one, my first goal is to identify the spiritual wars that we're going to face in a season of waiting. Moses helps us really understand some of the dangerous things that lie inside of us and that lie inside a season of waiting. And we're going to learn where to keep our focus so that we don't get knocked down spiritually. Those are our goals today. What are the wars that we're going to face in a season of waiting? And where can we put our focus so that those wars don't knock us down spiritually, take our feet out from underneath us. We're going to learn that from Exodus chapter 32. Let me walk you to Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus chapter 20, a man named Moses, who's been called by God to lead the people of Israel out of 430 years of slavery in Egypt. Um, In Exodus 20, he heads up a mountain. And he's there for 40 days, receiving the Ten Commandments of God for his people and a lot of other information about how the people of God are going to connect to God and live with God on a daily basis. While he's up on the mountain, a generation of people who for 430 years have been slaves, their ancestors, everyone they've known has been slaves, is waiting at the bottom of the mountain. And as Moses' 40 days with God on the mountain continues, these people who have been in slavery for more than 400 years decide they cannot wait 40 days. They just don't have the patience to get through 40 days waiting on God, sitting at the bottom of the mountain, So they begin to act up a little bit, and when we get to Exodus 32, everything is kind of falling apart. You say, what happened? Let's read together in Exodus chapter 32, 1 through 8. Here is what happened. It says, when the people saw that Moses was so long, and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, that was Moses' older brother, and they said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him, and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf, and he announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and pre- presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up and indulged in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, because your people who you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them. They've made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They've bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are the gods Israel who brought you out of Egypt. 
You know, the goal of this series is, is I felt like God initially spoke it to my heart was to, because we were in a season of staying at home, because we were in a season of kind of being, having our life put on hold, I thought, who in scripture had a similar experience? And we've looked at Paul, we've looked at Noah, we're looking at Moses, next week Elijah, the week after that Jesus. And I thought when we began this series that what was going to happen is I would go study what these men experienced in their 40 days with God. And out of that was going to come a lot of lessons that we could learn. But, but something different has happened. Something more powerful has happened. Because as I dug into Moses' 40 days, I realized Moses didn't just have one 40-day period alone with God. He actually had two. In Exodus chapter 20, he went up on the mountain, spent 20 days with God. In Exodus chapter 32, he came down. And in Exodus chapter 33, he went back up and spent another 40 days with God. So Moses didn't have one period of 40 days of waiting. He had two. Lord God, I hope that we only have one. But Moses had two. But the power of Moses' story is the valley in between those two mountain peaks. What we're going to learn today is the danger of waiting because when Moses came down the mountain, we see what can happen to people who get a little disgruntled in a season of of waiting, and we can see some dangerous things that occur spiritually. I am calling those in today's messages, in today's message, Waiting Room Wars. In the first week of the series, you might remember, we, we talked about waiting room wins. How do we make sure we use this season to win spiritually? Today, we're talking about waiting room wars. What are the wars that you're going to battle as, as we face this time alone and as we get antsy spiritually? What are some of the wars that we could battle that could cause us to take a step back spiritually in an area of our life? We see three in today's narrative in Exodus chapter 32 that I want to show you as we walk through this. Maybe these are wars you're facing. Maybe they're wars you're fighting. Maybe they're wars you're losing. I think in our season of waiting, these will be battles that we're all going to have to face. War number one is the war of impatience. It's the war of impatience. I almost laugh when I I read this next verse, but I think to feel the emotion of it is really, really good. Did you read Exodus chapter 32 verse 1? When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain. When the people saw that Moses was so long. Look at somebody you're with and say so long. Not like so long goodbye, but like so long. This season is taking so long. The people of Israel, think about it. They had been in slavery now for over 400 years. And now they were asked to wait 40 days so God could tell them what was coming next. They'd been in slavery 400 years. Now they were asked to wait 40 days to see what God's next step was for them. And as they waited through that 40 days, they said, this is taking so long. Now to put it in very, very clear context, so long for them was a period of three or four weeks. Because we know Aaron, it would have taken him at least a week to 10 days to to collect all the gold for the golden calf, to to, to burn it down, to shape it for it to cool at least 10 days. So Moses, after he'd been gone three or four weeks, the people said, this is awful. And can I say amen with them? I mean, I've now been in this stay-at-home quarantine for three or four weeks, and I, I want to say with the people of Israel, it has felt so long. Like, can I get an amen? This has been so long. Like, God, when is this period going to be over? This has been so long, but in reality... It's been three or four weeks. And for Moses and the people of Israel, it had been three or four weeks. Now, one thing you need to know about me is I think I have the spiritual gift of impatience. 
Uh, Like I think God planted in my soul to move a little faster than everyone else. I have driven every possible route home from every possible place I go to find one that might be 30 seconds faster. Can I get an amen? Does anyone have the spiritual gift of impatience? When I'm on the highway, I drive in the left lane. Unless I have to get in the right lane to pass someone in the left lane going the speed of Satan, which is too slow to be going in the left lane. Like I have the spiritual gift of impatience. When I go to the grocery store, it's a competition. I will walk. I will stalk the aisles. I will count how many groceries people have in their baskets. And then I'll see how quick I think they move. And then I'll see how old their checker is and how much their checker's talking. And I, I, I will have a competition to see if I can get out of the store before someone who appears to be in line in front of me on aisle seven. I have the spiritual gift of impatience. When my meal comes at a restaurant, I ask for the bill so that as I'm chewing my last bite, I can walk out of the door. I have the spiritual gift of impatience. But I've learned sometimes spiritually that's not good. It can lead to frustration. It can lead to tension. Listen, it can lead to sin. And as I was talking with one of my counselors one time just about some of the frustrations that I sometimes experience with people around me because I move at one speed and everyone else seems to be moving at another, he, he presented to me a very uncomfortable theory of my impatience. And I want to share it with you today. He said to me, he said, Christian, your impatience may be a sign that you're unspiritual. Ah, uh, ah, uh, like knife to the heart. Christian, have you ever considered that your impatience might be a sign that you're unspiritual? I said, hang on, explain that to me. I mean, hurry up, but explain like, like, right up, but like, explain, explain that to me. And he said, well, the Bible says very, very clearly that when the Spirit of God is in control of your life, you're not impatient. Remember? Christian, remember Galatians chapter 5? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, and patience. Oh, Lord. Lord, you're right. Lord, for, forgive me because sometimes my impatience, many times my impatience, most times my impatience, all the time my impatience doesn't result in God things. When I'm impatient in my marriage, usually doesn't result in God things. When I'm impatient with my kids, usually doesn't result in God things. When I'm impatient at work, normally doesn't result in God things. When I'm impatient with neighbors and friends, normally doesn't result in God things. When I'm impatient with big decisions, normally doesn't result in God things. And when I'm impatient with God, it almost always leads to sin. One of the wars you are going to face is impatience. Because sometimes your impatience is a sign that you're unspiritual. You say, Christian, you really think that? Listen, like my good friend Lloyd Christmas once said, I'm saying there's a chance. There's a chance that your impatience could be a sign that you are acting from an unspiritual place. So we need to realize the wars that are going to come in this waiting room and we, we need to be ready to battle those. What's the second war that we're going to face in the waiting room? War number two, a focus on the present rather than your purpose. War number two is I just cannot get off. I, I just can't quit thinking about today and I have to be happy today. War number two is I, I choose the power of today over the purpose that God has created me for. I love Exodus chapter 32. One. It, to, to me, it's comical reading the story and knowing the story like I've read it so many times. Watch this again in Exodus 32. One. When the people saw that Moses was so long, three or four weeks, but I get it. It's been a long time. 
When the people of Israel saw that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, I love how they dismiss him. This guy Moses, like they don't know who he is. Like this, this cat Moses, you, you mean the one who's been communicating to God on your behalf? You mean the one who oversaw the ten plagues on Egypt? You mean the one who held up a staff and divided the Red Sea? You mean the one who made sure you got fed from heaven? You mean the one who brought water out of a rock? You, you don't mind like that guy, that guy that you're dismissing. This guy Moses, this guy Moses. This guy, we don't know where he went. This fellow Moses. As for him, we don't, we don't know where he is. So find us some gods who will get us up out of here. And Aaron says, okay. In verses 5 and 6, when Aaron saw what they were doing, he built an altar in front of the calf. And he announced, tomorrow there's going to be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings, presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down. If you're tracking with me, I just want you to underline or kind of circle those two verses. They sat down to eat and drink, and they got up to indulge in the revelry. Sometimes because we get worn out, sometimes because we get impatient, sometimes because we focus on today, we're so busy looking for peace in today that sometimes we sacrifice and we forfeit our purpose tomorrow. And listen, folks, one of the things we've got to learn in this season where every day sometimes can be a little harder than the day before is this. It can't be more important to have peace today than to fulfill your purpose tomorrow. This can't be the time where you treat the troubles of today with alcohol and you forfeit your purpose tomorrow. It can't be the time you treat it with illegal drugs or pharmaceutical drugs so that you can have peace right now. It can't be the time you turn to pornography because it releases stress today, but you forfeit your purpose long term. Like, like we have to understand there are some days in life that are really, really hard, but your purpose, your purpose, your purpose still stands. And, and let me ask any of you, Are there any of you today listening who really believe that the purpose God created for you cannot be fulfilled even if this coronavirus thing lasts another six months? I mean, do you really believe at the end of your life somebody's going to get up 20 years from now and say, you know, they, they, they were on the right path spiritually. God had created them for X, but then that coronavirus came and after 120 days, boy, they just, um, they just couldn't do what God had created them to do. Almost all of you would say, no, even if this lasted six months, there's no doubt that I still can be who God created me to be. There's no doubt that I still can do what God created me to do. There's no doubt that I can still accomplish the purposes for which God put me on planet Earth. It may be a long season until we get there, but don't forfeit your purpose for just a little pleasure today. The people of Israel did that, and it was dangerous to them. War number three. What's the third thing we gotta be aware of? Be aware of trusting timelines rather than trusting God. Be aware of trusting in timelines rather than trusting God. Let me tell you how this has played out in my life. When the coronavirus news first kind of came upon our nation, our church, our staff just started at a full sprint trying to figure out how do we stay ahead of this thing so we can minister well to our people and well to our community. And we realized two or three weeks into it, we were not going to be able to keep sprinting. We were not going to survive at a sprint We realize this is a marathon, it's not a sprint, we've got to slow our pace down. So I, with a lot of friends, even pastor friends, started using that language of, you you got to have the right pace so that we can finish the race. And after a few questions of, how's your pace, how's your pace, how's your pace, in frustration one time, I said, it doesn't matter what my pace is if there's no finish line. 
I'm beginning to get less concerned with pace and more concerned with finish. How can I know how fast I need to run if I don't know when the race ends? And I begin to get frustrated about not knowing the timeline that we were living in. When's it going to end? When's it going to be different? What are the steps we're going to be able to take? And I didn't demand that God give me a timeline, but I began to feel more peace and a potential timeline of information than I did with a God who was sitting right above me. I'm in a men's group with a, a group of 12 other guys, and for the last almost year and a half, we meet monthly. We're reading a book together called 66 Love Letters by Dr. Larry Crabb, which is just kind of a five or six page overview on every book of the Bible. He refers to them as God's love letters to us. And in it, he often dialogues with God about, um, hey, God, this is what I'm feeling. And God kind of gives him answers back and forth. Obviously, the, the anointing doesn't rise to the level of Scripture, but man, it really, really ministers to your heart. And in Ecclesiastes, uh, Dr. Crabb is talking to God in Ecclesiastes about a dark season of his life because Ecclesiastes is about had to, had to move from one season to the next. And Dr. Crabb, as he's talking to God, asks God this question in his chapter on Ecclesiastes. He asks God, how long are you going to leave me in this experience before I hear the songs of hope? The promise in Ecclesiastes is even dark seasons come to an end and one day you're going to hear the song of hope. And Dr. Crabb's like, okay, that's, that's good truth, but when? When? How long does this experience last before the pain goes away and songs of joy come? And here is God's response. When I read it, stop me dead in my tracks. God said, if I answered your question, you would begin to depend on a timeline more than me. And here's why that stopped me dead in my tracks as I reviewed that again, because I thought, I thought I'm at a place right now where I think knowing when this is over would bring me more peace comfort and control than knowing who's in charge of it. And I realize I think I've I think I've begun to worship at the altar of a timeline. God, if you'll just let me know when, then I'll be okay instead of looking up and saying, God, if you'll just let me know who, who's with me, I'll be okay. See, here's the reality of this season for me and for you. For Dr. Fauci, for Dr. Burks, for all of them. Nobody knows what's next. But I do know who's near. Nobody knows what's next. Nobody knows when's next. But I know who's near. And the people of Israel sitting at the base of the mountain, they didn't know what was next. And they forgot to look up and see who's near. So they just started making up things on their own. And if we're not careful, the wars of the waiting room, the impatience, the pleasure of today rather than purpose for tomorrow, the needing to know timelines instead of being able to worship and trust the God of heaven, those things will will make us take a step back spiritually. So we got to be careful because when we realize that we don't know what's next, but we do know who's near, the game changes. And all those waiting room wars become waiting room worship. They become waiting room worship. And that's the second thing I want to talk to you about because that's where Moses got But the way he got there and then the way we're introduced to Jesus is really quite fascinating. Remember I told you Exodus 32 is the valley between two 40-day seasons on the mountain. Exodus 33, God begins to go back up. And he has a classic. Uh, For people who know scripture, he has a classic, very, very well-known conversation with God where he says, all right, God, we messed up, but we're back in um, and we need your help. In Exodus 33, 15, Moses heads back up to the mountain and he says to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, um, don't send us up from here. He said, it's not the place. It's not the place that we, that we were worried about. It's not the place that the Israelites were rebelling against. They just weren't sure if you were still with them. Um, God, as long as you're with us, we're good. If you want us to stay here, 
we'll stay if you're with us. If you want us to go, we'll go if you're with us. But don't send us anywhere that you're not going to be. And Moses said, here's the reason why. How's anyone going to know that you're pleased with us? How's anyone going to know that we're your people unless you go with us? What else is going to distinguish me and the people from all of the other people on the face of the earth? Moses said, here's why it's so important that you're with us. You are the only thing that matters in life. And the thing that lets us know that we're valuable and that we're on mission is that you're with us. The only thing that's going to give us peace is your presence. Let me say it again. The only thing that's going to give us peace is your presence. So if you don't go, we don't want to go because unless you go, there's no peace. And the Lord responds to Moses and says, okay, in Exodus 33, 17, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. We are connected and we are close. So I will go with you. I will be with you. And Moses responds to that by asking in Exodus 33, 18, then show me your glory. Remember the word glory spiritually means weight. It means matter. It means substance. Moses is saying, if you'll be with us, and he's not saying it disrespectfully, but prove it. If you're going to be with us, prove it. Show us beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're here there's anything I want you to remember from this message, it's this thought we, when, we, when we aren't able to focus on when things might be over, we can't focus on who is here. When we can't focus on when, we can focus on who. And that's where Moses turned his attention. For the next 40 days, he stayed on the mountain with God and he got very, very detailed plans of the tabernacle. You say, what is the tabernacle? The tabernacle would be the, the earthly representation of God's presence and spirit with the people of Israel and how you were to approach God. The tabernacle, Moses asked God, show me your glory. Show us that you're going to be with us. And God said, okay, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you my word for direction and I'm going to give you my tabernacle for sight so that you can see me. I'm going to give you the word that's going to direct you. I'm going to give you the tabernacle that's going to allow you to touch, feel, see that I am with you. And the word and the tabernacle will show you my glory. They'll prove to you that I am with you. They'll give you the peace that I want. Now, here's why all of that is so important. Because about a thousand years later, a couple thousand years later, someone named Jesus would be born in Bethlehem to a virgin mother named Mary and her fiance, Joseph. And the way he would be introduced to the world by his friend, John, was this. Remember, God said, I'm gonna give you the word to direct you. I'm gonna give you the tabernacle so you can see I'm with you. The word and the tabernacle are gonna allow you to feel me in your presence. So John says in John 1, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Would you believe that the Greek word for made his dwelling is tabernacled? Moses, who says, we've got your word to show us how to live, but we need your tabernacle to prove that you're near. We need your word and the tabernacle together. John says, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And then watch what he says, but think about Moses' question. We have seen his glory. We felt him, we've touched him, we've been with him. He's real, he matters. The word of flesh, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and full of truth. See, we have been having the same conversation in the same valley that Moses had. 
three or four weeks. It's been so long. God, what are you doing so long? Sometimes we can get frustrated. We can get impatient. We can begin to choose pleasure today over purpose tomorrow. We can begin to really worship timelines rather than the God of heaven. But God, if you'll be with us, God, if you'll give us your word, if you'll give us your presence, God, if you'll give us your son, Jesus, we'll be able to make it through this season and we'll be able to go wherever you want us to go in the next season. We will, God, remember, we'll remember, we'll remember. We might not be able right now to focus on when, but we can focus on who. We don't know when this thing is over, but we know Jesus is with us. And we want to win in the waiting room. We know we're going to fight wars, but we want to win in the waiting room. And how do you win the spiritual warfare of the waiting room? You focus on Jesus. You focus on Jesus. You focus on Jesus. We got to win in the waiting room. And to do that, you got to focus on Jesus. As a church, we have spent the last month in the Psalms. It's been incredible. An incredible journey, one day at a time, reading a psalm, having a refrigerator verse that allows us to kind of celebrate the main point truth of that psalm. But we're going to be leaving the psalms starting tomorrow. We'll be back there. This summer, our entire summer series that we planned last fall is called Summer in the Psalms. So all summer, June, July, and August, we're going to be learning about the psalms, living in the psalms, worshiping in the psalms. We'll be back to the psalms for those of you who are going to miss them. Between now and then, I want you to be on a quest to focus on Jesus. You say, how are we going to do that? You know, we're living not just through a holy week, but through a holy season. In Israel, Passover, seven weeks later, Pesach, which is what they called in Israel today, seven weeks later is followed by Shavuot. We know them in scripture as, you know, the Easter season and then, and then the day of Pentecost. You say, what was that seven weeks like? A seven, seven weeks from Easter to Pentecost. 49 days between a resurrected Savior and the Holy Spirit falling on God's church. 49 days to press into who Jesus was and to receive from God his spirit of who Jesus is. 40 days of focusing on Jesus and preparing then to be his church. We're seven days into that. We've got 42 left. May 31 will be the day we would celebrate Pentecost at our church seven Sundays from Easter. So I said, man, let's take this 40 days, 42 days, but let's take 40 because 40 seems to, just seems to be a biblical number that God works in. And let's give our people a challenge. What I'm giving our people is what I'm calling a Pentecost challenge. In this 40-day window between Easter, Jesus resurrecting, and Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falling, let's every day focus on Jesus. Let's every day focus on Jesus. You say, how are we going to do that? I'm going to ask you over the next 42 days to spend 40 of them in Scripture. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Read the book of Luke and Acts. Luke is the story of Jesus. Every day it'll show you Jesus. Acts is the story of Jesus' church. Every day it will show you the story of Jesus' church. If you read Monday through Friday, one chapter, and then on Saturday and Sunday, two, you will read through the book of Luke and Acts over the next 42 days. You will every day be able to see Jesus, his church, and maybe who he's created you to be. I'm gonna ask you to take this challenge and to begin over the next 40 days looking for Jesus and at the end of every day, answer these two questions. What did I see about Jesus or learn about Jesus in his church today through what I read? And how does that make me want to worship Jesus? I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to help your eyes focus in this season, not on what's next, but on who's near, Jesus. And I'm going to try to help you find him every day in scripture and then talk about him, think about him. 
as you move through scripture, you say, Christian, what if I'm not real good at studying the Bible? The last 20 or so days, we've done prayer at noon. We've called it 24 at 12. We said when the kind of stay in shelter orders went in place, every day at noon, we were going to pray at Facebook. We have extended that now. So we're calling that daily prayer at noon. It will go all the way through May 31st. It'll go through the end of the month. And every day at noon, the host from our team who comes on will lead with, they won't read that entire day's chapter, but they'll lead with, hey, today I read Luke chapter three. Here's what I learned about Jesus. Here's how it made me want to worship him. Hey, today I read Acts chapter 12. Here's what I learned about Jesus. Here's how I want to worship him. So this can be not just community prayer over the next six weeks, but kind of a community Bible study. Why? Because if you want to win spiritually, you got to find Jesus. You got to find Jesus and you got to focus on Jesus because journey, we may not know when next is, but we can know who is near. And that is enough. That is enough to be at peace. Seeing the glory of the word that became flesh and tabernacled among us so that we could touch, see, feel, know that God was near. Seeing Jesus is all we need for peace. So I want to invite you the next 40 days, be on a search for, be on a quest for the face of Jesus every day in your life. Because when we don't know what's next, we focus on who's near. And when we lock eyes with him, we have the peace that we need to have. The wars are coming. Don't be impatient. It's not a spiritual fruit. It's not a spiritual gift. Don't choose pleasure today that could ruin the purpose tomorrow that God created you for. And let's just stop worrying about timelines. Let's quit worrying about next and let's start focusing on who's near because that will change everything. Would you pray with me this morning? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the room. God, we don't know what's next, but we can focus on who's near. So today we focus on Jesus. If you're listening today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but your heart is open. If you're listening today and you don't yet know Jesus, but you've realized you can't live any longer in a broken world that ends in death without focusing on your eternity. Today, open your heart and your life to Jesus. Respond to his call to follow him today. All you have to do is cry out to Jesus. You say, how do I do that? Just talk to God right where you are. You don't even have to pray out loud. Just from your heart to heaven, pray this, Jesus, I need you. Just tell him, Jesus, I need you. I need your hope. Just repeat it after me. I need your forgiveness forgive me of my sin. I need your direction. I want to invite you to be in charge of my life. Just tell God you need Jesus. Repeat after me today, Jesus. I want to follow you out of my broken life into the life you created me for and called me to. Jesus, today I'm giving my life to you. If you just prayed that prayer with me, know that we're celebrating you. We'd love for you to reach out and let us know so that we could help you, but you don't have to tell us. If you've talked to heaven today, you've made a partnership, a personal partnership with God. Lean into that. Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. If you, like me, have the gift of impatience, maybe like me, you realize that most of the times your impatience is a sign that you're being unspiritual. Fight that battle in this season. Ask God to help you. If a timeline of this being over gives you more peace and comfort than a God who's with you through it, just recognize that. Repent of it. 
Ask God to forgive you for feeling more peace with knowing that it's over than knowing that he's here. Wrestle with it. Let it grow your spirit. God, we don't know what's next, but we know that you're near. Help that, help that, help that God to be enough. That's our prayer. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen and amen in all of your homes. Thanks so much for being with us today. Before you go, one, if you're brand new visiting our church, we'd love to know that you're here, that you're watching from wherever you might be. So fill out a connection card. If you're a guest, we'll send you a little gift and say, hey, thanks for reaching out. If you made a spiritual decision today, this is how you let us know. Grab your smartphone, 474747, the words journey connect. We would love to connect with you even though we can't be together yet. We believe in the future that time will come and if we could serve you in any way, please do not hesitate to let us know. For those of you who want to give, remember you can give online, you can text to give, you can give through the mobile app, you can send a check in through the mail. If this is a season where you need us to give to you instead of you giving to us, take that Connect card, Journey Connect to 474747. Just let us know your need. We'll have a team member follow up this week and figure out how we can serve you. We would love to see you tomorrow at two times, daily prayer at noon. Also studying through Luke chapter one and seeing where do we see Jesus? What do we learn about him who wants to, that, that helps us worship him? But more than that, we ask everyone every week to begin with Monday morning prayer. Just pray. Just pray. We ask people to begin with Monday morning prayer, 6 a.m. It'll be uh, live, but it'll stay on our Facebook page all day long. So if you want to join, we believe the best way to start your week every week is to start it in prayer. So pray with us tomorrow at 6 a.m. or join us at Facebook at noon or do both. You've seen us today. We would love to see you. So before you shut down your laptop for the day or turn your television off, grab your phone wherever you are. Um, take, a, uh, take a quick selfie of you and the family and the pets. Um, and post it together with the hashtag journey together. We just love to know you're with us. We're with you. We'd love to know you're with us. It really, believe it or not, it really warms our heart. Makes us feel like we've been at church when we know you've been with us. So take a picture today. Let us know that you're near. I wanna invite our worship team back up. They're gonna close us in worship. I invite you to sing along if you want to. I invite you if you want to just to rest and let us worship over you. But as we close in worship today, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and he is the perfecter of our faith. And when we do not know what's next, we can focus on who is near. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Worship with Ken and the team and then plan to join us tomorrow for prayer. I will see you next week as we dig in to the life of Elijah and we learn more about how to stay strong in this season.